So if you're here and you're one of those valleys that it reached to, raise your hand. Now, are you confused? Some of you hesitated. We, we sing, for it reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. It, it, it has, has, have you ever been in that low spot and he reached you where you yes. were at? Yes. Then you're that person that that blood flowed to that lowest valley. Yes. Raise your hand and say, I've experienced that. Okay, amen. There, you, there you are. There, I know I'm confusing sometimes. <clears throat> you can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. We've been dealing with prayer and talking about prayer. And we're going to continue to do that this morning. And I'd ask you, please don't, see, I'm trusting you don't normally do this anyway. Tune me out. <laughs> but because you see that we're going to be talking about the model prayer this morning, um, some people uh, Un unconsciously and unaware we'll call this the Lord's Prayer this is not the Lord's Prayer it's the model prayer from Matthew chapter 6 it's the prayer that Jesus gave us and gave the disciples teaching them how to pray answering their question and when you come to familiar passages of scripture that you're so familiar with it's easy to say oh okay it's easy to assume you got it. You already know what's going to be said. And so I caution you and I, and I ask you, don't tune me out. Not, not because I've got something so profound to say, but because God has a way of taking what his people say and making it profound to you if you'll listen. Um, I, I went to a, a, an evangelism conference that Church of God of Prophecy had years ago in the early 90s. I hate the fact that I'm old enough and I can say years ago. Yes, <laughs> my, my kids love, love telling people that, that uh, I was alive before microwaves. Yeah, but I went to an evangelism conference and, you know, this guest speaker and, and you know, I'm usually when you got guest speakers, you're pretty excited. And he got up and said he was going to preach on David and Goliath. And I, and I, and I thought, are you serious? I came all the way out to this conference to hear him preach on David and Goliath. And, and, but thankfully, I listened, and, and I got rid of my attitude. Well, I might have started listening with an attitude. Maybe God got rid of it, if I'm going to be honest. Um, but what, the, what God used from that passage of Scripture that I was so familiar with. And uh, so, I, so I asked you this morning, don't tune me out just because you know what I'm going to speak on. Because um, you don't know what God is going to say to you. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. If you've got it, say praise the Lord. And when you pray, and, and these, this is all Jesus speaking here. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Somebody should have said, thank you, Jesus. In this manner, therefore, pray. Or in other words, follow this pattern. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Bow your heads, please. Father, your word is spirit and it is life. And it will quicken us, it will come alive to us, and it will speak life to us right now as we receive it. Lord, your words are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it will lead us and guide us every step of our way. And Lord, your word is life unto our being and health unto our flesh. And it will infuse our souls with life and it will bring about health and wholeness to our physical bodies as we read it and receive it. Father, we, pr we proceed with faith in your son, Jesus Christ. With great expectation, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> We've been talking about positioned period that God divinely positions us and, and now we're talking about being positioned in prayer in uh, just briefly summarizing basically we're talking about things that you need to know before you pray according to Jesus now the very fact that Jesus is the one that said this alone makes this pretty important if Jesus said, this is the stuff that you need to know, this is how you need to proceed, um, that alone makes it very important. And he begins by, by telling us to pray to God the Father. And this is nothing new. We're not supposed to have any other gods before us. Clear back in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, one of the first commandments, the first commandment actually that God gave his people was have no other gods before me. After he delivered them, after he showed himself to be strong and powerful and mighty, he told them very explicitly, have no other gods before me. He told them he's a jealous God. That was the number one commandment that he gave Israel. So we know it's very important. Jesus commanded the disciples when they asked him, teach us to pray. He said, pray to your father in secret. Pray to God. Pray, pray to one. Isn't it interesting that he didn't even say pray to me? He's Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He is our go-between. He is our, 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 the, the one that, that stands between us and God. James tells us, and, and James, I, I believe it is chapter 2, he says that, that, we, he, that Jesus is the go-between. My little children, I, I write these things unto you, that you sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He, and, and he is the propitiation of our sins. He is the one that defends us before God because he is the one that paid the price for us to come back into relationship with God. And, 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 and if you read later on in the New Testament, you find out that Jesus had the right to consider himself equal to God on earth. But he took on the form of a servant, Paul tells us. So, so he had the right to walk around considering himself and proclaiming himself to be equal to God. But what you find when he's on the earth, he's never saying anything about look at me. He's always saying the Father. 
Even when he's about what he's doing, when he's doing his work, he's not doing the work of Jesus Christ. He's doing the work of my father. I must be about my father's business. At 11 or 12 years old, he's telling his mother when he gets left behind, I must be about my father's business. As he grows up and he starts his earthly ministry, he's always saying, I do what the father tells me to do. I go where the father tells me to go. I say what the father tells me to say. When I see him working, I jump in and join him. Jesus was always saying, the father, the father, the father. And so he tells the disciples right off the bat, you pray to him. How easy would it have been for them to get messed up and pray to Jesus because they can touch him? I mean, think about the day and age that they live in. They live in a day and age where, where they're worshiping stuff like this. Just, just make something and worship it. You go back to Exodus, Moses disappears for 40 days and the people come and they tell Aaron, hey, he's gone, we don't know where he's at, make us something to worship. What? And I'm sorry, forgive me, goofy Aaron does. Read the scriptures. With the Lord help me, I feel like this sometimes, but probably God feels like this towards me sometimes. And I read the scriptures, and I read what they did sometimes, and, and, and it's just, it, I just, I, I, I want to go back in time and smack them. Because he makes this image, he, make, he makes this, this golden calf, he sets it before them, and he says, there's the God that brought you out of Egypt. What? What do you mean there's the God that brought you out of it? That didn't even exist until you just formed it. So how are you going to give that credit for what God did? I'm sorry, this isn't even in my notes. I'm really going off on a soapbox here. But, but Jesus, if he didn't say this, you know the disciples would have ended up praying to Jesus. When, when, when he goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter wants to build three temples. Peter, if you just stayed awake, you could, you could learn a whole lot more. He fell asleep and woke up embarrassed and said, let's build temples. Jesus asked him to go pray. He goes and prays. He falls asleep, wakes up embarrassed, starts cutting off ears. Peter needs to stay awake. Jesus says, pray to my father. And then he goes on, he says, pray only for God's attention. And we've discussed this a little bit in the past week or so. Don't pray like the hypocrites who want the praise of men. If that's what you want, then that's all you're getting. I've had little kids pray for me, and they sound like little kids, but I've, I've felt God show up. And I have heard flowery prayers, and, and, and I could honestly say, oh, that sounded beautiful, but I didn't feel anything. Because it's, it's, why are you praying? Who are you praying to? God should be your focus when you pray, not any, anyone else. Jesus went on, he said, pray in a, in a special time, in a place alone. And we talked about this last week. He said, when you enter into your closet or your room, depending upon your translation, shut the door. Pray to your Father in secret. In other words, just give God special time alone when you pray. And Jesus led by example because he feeds thousands, puts everybody in, in, puts, sends everybody away, puts the disciples in a ship, kicks them out there, and then he goes up in the mountain and prays by himself. No, he wasn't in a room. No, he wasn't in a closet. No, he didn't shut the door. But he got alone. He got alone with God. So you need that special time 
with God. Give him a special time alone. And so we, we basically pick up this morning in verse 7 when Jesus instructs us, pray sincerely and don't use vain repetitions. And the key word here is vain. People want to focus on repetitions. Repetitions is not bad. If repetitions are bad, then heaven is wrong. Ooh. <laughs> if you read your Bible, you should already know where I'm going. Thank you. Constantly, angels declare the glory of God by saying, holy okay and we want to focus on the holy but focus on the whole thing holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come and they and they keep declaring it so clearly there is not a problem with repetition how many in here you're okay for someone to tell you they love you once you don't need to hear it again i don't see any hands going up <laughs> So clearly, there's not a problem with repetition. It's the vain repetition. The word vain basically means pointless babbling, which is usually about yourself. <laughs> think about that as you go home and think about when you do pray. And I'll just leave it at that. Vain also means foolish vowing to God. So, what, what does that mean? Here's what this means. We, probably everyone in this room has done this. God, if you get me out of this, I swear I will never do it again. I'll be at church on time. I will love you. I will live for you. I won't ever do nothing wrong again. I remember doing it when I was, I was 16 years old because I just got my license. And you know how it is when you get your license. You, you have to drive all the time. That's like what you think. I took the car out in, in a, a little 94 uh, Escort front-wheel drive took the car out in just a tiny little bit of snow. Now, what you all don't, you, you don't, all don't know nothing about this down here. We, we have these things in, in Pennsylvania called hills. <laughs> and I got the car out, and I couldn't get the car back in. And mom and dad didn't know I ever got the car out. And as I'm sitting on the hill spinning, trying to get back to the inn, I'm praying, God, if God, please, please, God, please. Because I wasn't worried about God's wrath. I was worried about mom and dad's wrath. God, please, let, let me get this car. I will never do this again. I'll never do this again, God. I got the car in. I didn't get it in because I made a deal with God. And when you said that to God and what you wanted worked out, God didn't make a deal with you either. God does not deal. He does not negotiate. He doesn't hear your promise and say, oh, I got to take care of that. No, because he knows when you promise, he knows when you're going to break it. He 
See, he's not, he's not like us where, where you, you have this, this, this battered spouse syndrome where after they beat the mess out of you that, oh, baby, I love you, I'll never do it again, and you believe them. See, God's not like that. God knows the truth whether it's coming out of your mouth or not. When you speak, he knows whether it's the truth or a lie. And we get, we get fooled when we go into prayer and we pray these vows to God. And because just maybe, just maybe, it actually does come to pass. And, and, and we, we get fooled into thinking, I prayed and God responded to me. Well, things worked out into your favor. I wouldn't say God answered your prayer. Because God doesn't negotiate. He doesn't do good things for you in the hopes of you fulfilling your promise. Because he already knows whether you will or not. He's merciful, he's gracious, and you get things that you don't deserve, and, and he withholds things from you that you do deserve. But Jesus himself said, don't use the vain repetitions, the, the, the vain repetitions. It, it's okay to say the same thing more than once. It's, it's okay to say the same thing over and over. If you mean what you say and your heart's in it completely and you're committed to God, it's for his glory and it's not in vain. Vain repetitions, that's how the heathens pray. For they think that they shall be heard because of their much speaking. The word heathen, it means people that are not connected to God or God's people. If you can jump to the end of chapter 6 in Matthew where, where we're at here, Jesus basically says the same thing, but instead of saying heathen, he says Gentiles. Those are the things that the Gentiles seek after, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Jesus said, don't worry about those things because your father already has, knows that you have need of these things. So you don't, you don't babble on when you know God. That's not how you pray. You don't pray in vain repetitions, in babbling about yourself, and you don't pray making deals because, you know, he's, he's not a willing and dealer. He's not a used car salesman. He's God. God already knows what you need is, is the next point that Jesus is making. These, these are the things you need to know before you start praying. So don't concern yourself with what you're going to say to God. God already knows what you need before you open your mouth. God knows that you have need of things that you don't even know you have need of. The, the, the whole point is just get somewhere where you're alone with God and begin to build conversation, begin to communicate. Just focus on God. Just talk to him, seek him, worship him. You'll find that once you get into his presence, he'll direct the conversation. So don't worry about how you're going to sound. And so after Jesus lays that groundwork, he comes to the, to the model prayer where he basically tells the disciples, you know, guys, this is how you need to pray. You need, you need to follow this general pattern. The King James says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. He, he's, he's not telling them these are the exact words you have to pray. There's also nothing wrong with praying these words. But these were never intended as the only words to pray. And he begins by saying, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He begins with our Father. It, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that when he tells them how to begin praying, he uses the word our and not my. Re read, read the verses from 1 until, until verse 9. Take heed, begin at verse 1. Take heed that you, 
Do not do your charitable deeds. And then he just keeps going on and he says, when you do a charitable deed. Uh, verse 4, that your charitable deed. Verse 5, and when you pray. Verse 6, but when you but you, when you pray, and he goes on, and this whole time, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. And then he says, okay, guys, pray like this, our. I think it's very significant that God, that Jesus does that because we always want to make a lot of this thing about Christianity about me. And it's not about me, it's about us. It's about the body of Christ. And so when Jesus is giving, talking to them and giving them in, instructions, he's saying you, when, when, when you do your, your individual stuff, but, but when you come to address your father, you have to realize he's not just yours. And, and we, we do that in America. We make everything personalized. We make it personal size. You can go to a, 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 a pizza store and get a personal pan pizza. It's all about us. And, and we talk about a personal Savior, and he is. But do you understand the phrase personal Savior shows up nowhere in the Bible? We so personalize it and make it individualistic and it is because you can only be saved as an individual. But the moment you're saved, Jeff, you're immediately brought into the body of Christ. You're immediately brought into the family of God, not because the church accepts you, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, right off of the bat, he says, pray our father our acknowledging he's your father but you're not alone even if you don't see nobody else and you pray these words john our father as you say the word our it's a reminder to yourself that i'm not by myself he is my dad but i also have brothers and sisters whether i can see them now or not i, I have i have other people that are part of this body that have been doing it longer than i have probably doing it better than i'm doing it but i know i'm not by myself i'm acknowledging our father i'm a part of something bigger I'm a part of something that is not just me. I'm a part of a family. I'm a part of a whole. I'm not doing this by myself. I identify myself with his body. And I recognize that, yes, he is my father. Now, this is where we also got to work on yourself. Because I don't know what your earthly father was like. But however your earthly father is, is you, you translate it, that into God how you related to your earthly father you bring that to your heavenly father and we have to remind ourselves god is not like donald james milts senior whether donald james milts senior was good or not he was good he was a loving father he was not a perfect father but just because he acted one way and that's what i know what an earthly father to be sister pat that does not mean that's how my heavenly father is because in the areas where my earthly father failed a little bit or miserably, my heavenly father does not fail at all. And even in the areas where my earthly father su succeeded well or, or, or tremendously, God still blows him out of the water in the way that he fathers me. 
And so I got to understand he's a father. He's a father like I've never had before. He's a dad like I've never had before. He says, our father, which art in heaven, not only identifying you're a part of the whole, identifying that you now have a father, you're recognizing his place. And I've been telling you that little word in, I-N, that's the word again that denotes fixed in position. Jesus is telling you to declare the God that you are praying to. You are a part of a bigger picture. You're a part of his body, and he is fixed in heaven. He is immovable. So you're not, you're not praying to the God that is here for this four-year term, and we don't know who's going to be the next God for the next four-year term. We're praying to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, is, and always will be, and Jesus is telling us to declare that he is, he is After you, <laughs> does it really take all of it? No, it don't. <laughs> if I can answer some of the doubters. It don't take all this. But if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't fully understand what you're doing, there's no possible way you can get the full benefits out of it. I, I'm going I'm I'm to do this again, and then I'm going to roll on. We had 16 great years of marriage. And I still didn't reap the full benefits of the 16 great years of marriage because God has done something in me at the beginning of this year, which I've been telling you has caused me to look at her differently. And because I'm looking at her differently, I am now reaping more benefits out of the marriage and out of the relationship because I'm now understanding more things or understanding things better or understanding things that I, I did, did not understand and some of which I don't even real, didn't even realize I, I, that I didn't understand. But I missed the full benefits of what was good. Yes. Now, if I was to ask you, if, who wants something good? Yeah. But who wants something gooder? Who wants something better? Good's good until you find better. Good's great until you find better. And, and, and that's what we're talking about here. Jesus declares it's our Father. He's in heaven. After you declare your relationship to him, who he is and where he is. And, and by the way, this is, this is for us. God don't need us to tell him who he is. You know, God's not like me. I, I, have, I have moments, just moments. I have moments of crazy. And, and, and if, if, if we're social long enough with, with anybody, eventually you'll hear of my moments of crazy where I will fall asleep in the living room. And then for some reason, I wake up quickly. The, fir the, the first and most memorable time happened shortly after we got married and we're living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I fell asleep on the couch and I literally jumped up off the couch in, in the middle of the living room like this. And honest to God, I didn't know who I was, where I was. I was looking her square in the face and I knew I should know who she was, but I wasn't sure who she was. And so when this happens... She, she's gotten, you know, she's gotten used to it now. So when it happens, Brother Arnold, she'll just look at me. You're okay. You're in your house. You're in your living room. You're Jason. I'm Michelle. Yeah, yeah, your wife. 
So, and, and, the, and the point is, I have a moment of crazy. God don't have moments of crazy. He, know who, he knows who he is. He knows he's fixed on the He knows he's not going to be uprooted. Somebody tried. It didn't work. God only, not only kicked him out, but he kicked out a third of the angels with him. God knows who's on the throne. This declaration is for us to remember. We are declaring it for his glory, but we're not declaring it for him to, to know it and understand it. We're declaring it for us to know it, for it to sink into who we are. He moves on he's, to, for, and, and tells us to say, hallowed be your name, or in other words, holy is your name. The word hallowed, it means to make holy ceremonially. Obviously, God's already holy, so, so our declaration is not making him holy. We're acknowledging his holiness and, 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 and giving, giving it to him from us. The word name, it means the, the, the authority and the character that is associated with what you are called. What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what you mean. Here's what I mean. Uh, you all have a name. You, you all have people that you know that when you hear that name... You know I'm right. You're, you're chuckling. <laughs> to some people, your name is. <laughs> you also have names that when you hear the name, yeah. My kids, all they got all, all to hear is Nana's here. Not even a name, a title. And then they all erupt with, Nana's here! And they're running around because the name carries the weight of the character and the person that it represents and Jesus is telling us to proclaim his holiness hallowed be your name now think about it when you consider how many names God has and you understand that every name means something expressly and specifically different about the character of God holy is your name when you consider how many how many names he has and you're acknowledging his holiness and his character and his authority do each name jesus in in this in this first line i mean you could have prayed the 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 model prayer 15 times by now and as long as it's been taking me to talk through just this first line but in this first line jesus is really telling us you need to take time to focus on the god that you serve you need to take time to acknowledge who he is, who you are in relationship to him, where he is, and understand that he is immovable. Not only is he, is he immovable, but he is holy. His name is holy. Every one of his names are holy. Every attribute and aspect of him is holy, and you need to declare that unto him. Because if you don't know who you're praying to, then what you say loses effectiveness. You can have the right thing to say, but if you don't know who you're talking to, he moves on, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, now let me set your mind that some of you, you're, you're thinking, oh, dear God, this is never going to end. It's going to go faster. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, it's all about God. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is making sure we understand when you pray, it's really all about God. 
We haven't even got to asking anything from God. And Jesus knows we have things to ask from God. And God wants us to ask things of him. But if we understand who God is, we understand who I am in relationship to him. I understand that he is fixed in heavens. And I understand that his kingdom and his will will be accomplished on all of the earth. Do I really need to worry about what I need to ask from him? That's like your children fretting over whether or not you're going to be able to feed them. Roby, how, I keep calling you senior and you junior, but you're actually the second, aren't you? You're junior. Get home, man. <laughs> how would it make you feel if your children and grandchildren were in your house and they were stressed out because they weren't sure they were going to be able to eat while they were with you? Why? Because you know you can provide for them. You know you have the resources. When you know who your father is and you know who you are in relationship to him and you declare his holiness and you declare his praise and his glory and you declare God your kingdom and your will, you don't have a reason to concern yourself and worry yourself with what you do need to ask from him. And as you go on through this prayer, you're going to find Jesus leads us into how to ask things from God. But before we get there, he basically tells us, if you understand this beginning, you don't need to worry about what you're going to ask because God already knows before you even ask. It's all about him, your, your kingdom, your will, just like in heaven. God's perfect will is accomplished in heaven. His perfect will is accomplished in heaven. He moves on. He, 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 <clears throat> okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, one, once I pray this, once I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we want to jump right to, give me. <laughs> um, so I don't forget, make sure we understand he said give us. He didn't say give me. He said, give us. Um, but but, but let, me, let me go back. Once I pray that I can come, that will be done. I'm now responsible for helping to bring his kingdom and his will. That's where I need that cricket sound effect. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, I don't want to do that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hey, Jeff. Jerk. Good to see you, Arnold. Michelle, did you see the way Arnold looked at me today? See, bless him or me. See, <laughs> see once I pray I want God's will, I have to live like I actually meant what I said. And too often, we pray it, but do we follow it up with the way that we live? Because I have a responsibility to bring the kingdom of God and the will of God on earth in my world. 
I have a responsibility to bring it into Milt's manor, into the Milt's household, and, and to be an example to them of what it means to see the kingdom of God and the will of God coming to earth right here in our home, in our family, as a husband, as a man, as a father, and, and to show them what that means. And when I don't conduct myself in a way that is honor, honorable unto God, I cannot be bringing about God's kingdom and God's will. I'm responsible for my obedience to God after I pray that. Amen, Pastor. He said, give us this day our daily bread. God already knows that you have need, and he already knows how to supply your need. And we need to understand as you look throughout the scriptures, God is very creative He's very creative in the way that he does what he does. I mean, God even did things with useless birds. <laughs> I mean, birds that don't seem to have no purpose at all. <laughs> and yet he can use this bird. The name slips me. Oh, oh it is a raven. That's right. And he can use this raven to bring food to his man. And you look all throughout the scriptures. God is very creative in the way that he can accomplish what he needs to do. And I know we can tell ourselves we're in a different time. But let me tell you what, I've heard the testimonies. My former state overseer, when he was pastoring, told of when he was pastoring how he sat down at a table with his family and they had a few saltines that's all they had to eat because they're in a small church they don't have what they need and the wife is stressing out and he says honey set the table and put on what we got and he said they sat down and they prayed and I don't know if it was while they were praying or after they prayed, there was a knock on the door and there were two individuals, a husband and a wife, that were standing there with arms full of bags, full of groceries. They had sat down at their meal of, I don't remember what it was, but as they were getting ready to eat, the man said, God convicted me and said, your pastor is hungry. And they left their food, went straight to the grocery store, bought all that they bought and showed up right on time. God is still God. He is still the God that is seated on the throne, fixed in that position. And if we can just understand the reality of if I can get my part right, if I can, if I can approach God like the son or like the daughter that I need to be, if I, can, if I can take him at his word, if I can believe what he says, if I can honor him and reverence him and declare his holiness the, the way that I'm instructed to do it, then I don't have to worry. Even if I don't have anything to eat, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And, and God is so neat about it, God doesn't even have to use Christians to do it. Read the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. The Israelites plundered the Egyptians, and the Egyptians willingly gave them all the gold and the silver as they were leaving. There are no limits. There are no limits. Listen to me. There are no limits to what God can do. 
This is what limits God. Hello, my name is Limitation. Nice to meet you. Your name is Limitation too. We are what limit God. We limit him because we don't listen. We limit him because we don't follow his instructions. We limit him because we don't live right. He, I mean, folks, it's all right here. It's all right here. And when we don't follow this, we cannot expect God's results. Even in the simplicity of the way in which we pray, if we pray wrong, and I've been thinking about this, and, 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 I, and I, I feel like I want to do this. I don't know if it's God or if it's me. I, I, I want us to look at Scripture so we can understand there are things that we do that stop our prayers, that keep our prayers from being answered. There are things that we can do that will guarantee our prayers to be answered. But if we, if we don't do it God's way, we cannot expect to get God's results. And then when we don't get God's results, folks, we can't get mad at God. And, you, and, I'm, removing, and I'm removing your right to get mad at me. You're not allowed. Because I'm just telling you what he said. I'm not telling you what, how I think you need to pray. This is what Jesus said. But we, we do that. We do that. I, I don't do what God said. <clears throat> I'm probably going to wrap this up. But am I allowed to talk to your wife for a minute? All right. My, my kids make me angry when they don't do what I've said and told them to do. And then my kids make you angry too? You agree? Oh, your kids. Okay. And then when they get upset with the results... And I'm thinking to myself, if you would have just listened, we wouldn't be here. I, I, I shared on a Wednesday night how I had intentions on taking my children, my boys, to, to one of these. Yes, thank you. Hey, you listen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ten gold stars for you. And they kept acting up. They didn't know what I planned on doing. I knew what I planned on doing, but because they wouldn't listen, they never got the benefit. Never took them. Still haven't taken them. We haven't even broken into one while they're closed. The same stuff happens to God. We don't listen. We don't hear what the preacher preaches about happen. We don't hear what the Sunday school teacher teaches about happen we don't see these miraculous things and then we want to get mad at the Sunday school teacher and we want to get mad at the preacher and we want to get mad at the worship leader when we just need to stop and ask ourselves did you listen to God because if you didn't listen to God and you didn't do it the way God said to do it you're done any good that happens to you was a mercy drop there's a hymn that we used to sing, Mercy Drops Around Us Are Falling. Any goodness that you experience in your life from God and you are not listening to God, it is a mercy drop from God. Be thankful. But don't get angry. 
if, if, I, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm not going to get the results that God tells me about. And I am going to stop there for, uh, for this morning. <clears throat> and, and, I, and I hope, I hope, you, I hope this is received, I, received right. I, wa- I want us to pray right. I want, I want us to, I, and, and, and by right, I don't mean Pentecostal. I mean, I, I, I don't mind Pentecostal. I'm, I'm loud and obnoxious too. But loud and obnoxious is not why the prayer gets answered. I want to I be standing in the vestibule and, and, and somebody tell, tells, uh, uh, Roby Jr. tells Les, my back hurts. Yeah, I'm struggling with it. I'm still trying to process Junior and Senior. Junior is not, spo- <laughs> not supposed to look older than, okay. Um, I, I, I want to I see them standing in the hallway and, and Roby tells Les, my, my back has been bothering me. And Les just says, well, let's just pray. And he just puts his hand around him and they pray and God heals him. I want to see that because it's possible. You, 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 there, there's, nothing, there's nothing unique about this area that this is the only place that God pours out. There, there's, there's nothing unique about the oil that when you do pray, you have to be anointed in order to be healed. Although the Bible does instruct us to call for the elders to anoint with oil, that is true. But it does not mean that you cannot be somewhere else and have prayer for somebody in a very quiet manner and God move and intervene and bring about healing. When God healed me of my arthritis, I, nobody else was even praying for me. I was by myself. Yes, I was at the altar, but it wasn't even a Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, shake and move and shout and stir and create a commotion prayer. It was me and God quietly, and I just kind of felt like God came down and, hey, well, that's neat. That, that's why I want, I want us to go over simple things like prayer because if we're not doing it right, we've we got to examine why are we doing it. Hello? Do you, do you want to pray just to pray or do you want to pray because you want to see God's results? I, I want to pray because first and foremost, I, w- I want to be the son that he wants me to be. I mean, I love y'all, but I'm, I'm more concerned about him. I want to I I pray because I, I, I want to be the son he wants me to be, but I also want to pray because I want to be the man he wants me to be on earth. I want to be the husband that he wants me to be. I want to be the father that he wants me to, wants me to be. I want to be able to speak life into people. I, I want to be able to send a Holy Ghost-filled text that when the other person gets it, the Holy Ghost hits them. It's possible. Don't think I'm crazy. It's possible because I have been the recipient of those types of texts. And the great thing about that is they can send it, but God knows when I need it. And so it can sit there and it can just stir and stir and stir and stir. And then when I open it and I read it, boom, God just hits me and and his power and and, and his healing or his guidance or his word of wisdom or whatever shows up in my life. I want to see the power and the presence of God operating in God's people. But folks, we got to do it right in order for it to happen. And I'm not saying you're not. And I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying this is the way Jesus said to do it. Can, can we agree to try to do it Jesus' way? Amen. Can we agree? Can you stand with me, please? <clears throat> I, I don't, I, I try not to do, 
as hard as this may, be, may, may be to believe, I try to leave most of my craziness for Sunday night and Wednesday night. So I don't, I don't do a lot of this on Sunday morning, but I'm going to ask you if you can just grab the hand of someone next to you. You don't have to go across the aisle, do anything like that. If, if you can just grab the hand of the person next to you, we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray. God, help us. help us. Help us do this your way. We hear your words. We hear your teaching. We hear your instruction. Help us to do this the way that you have instructed us to do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now. God, I thank you for the simplicity of prayer, God, that something so simple, a child can do it, but yet can become so deep that through prayer and fasting, that's the only way that we get things accomplished. God, I pray that you would help us as your people right now, God. Lord, that we would receive your word. God, that we would understand your word. God, that it would become rooted and grounded in us and change who we are in your image and your likeness, God. Lord, if there's anything uh, wrong with the way that we approach you, God, I pray that you would help us to see it and help us to adjust it according to your word, Father God. Lord, that we would be able to pray in faith and in power, God, seeing ourselves changed into your image and in your likeness, Father God, and seeing your, your power manifesting in the lives of your people. God, that we would, we would grow in this relationship with you and see you and your demonstra demonstrations grow among your people. Father, we thank you right now. God, I pray that you would just bless us as we leave here. God, let this sit in us. Let it marinate in us. God, soak into the depths of who we are, Father. God, keep us as we leave this place. Keep us in your love and your care, Father, and your protection. And Lord, we just thank you right now, God, as we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.